to Backboard Banter on the board. With your hosts, Matt Middleton and Kevin Rayner, where the banter's as ferocious as the Mavs in Game 7, man. Luka Doncic has had as many points as the Phoenix Suns at halftime. That is all I need to say at this point. Luka is a legend, but, I mean, his team showed up. Dinwiddie apparently was, like, living this crypto crash. Realized he's got to play basketball again to make his money. But, wow, (laughs) what an end to that series. It's been some good basketball this week. Absolutely, man. It was a great series, but for Phoenix to go out like that, um, pretty sad for them, man, and especially what it entails. But we'll get into that, man. I think we should... You know, return to the takes. Keep it with some basketball here. Unfortunately, your jawless Grizzlies, they couldn't get out of game six, man. It was close. I, I wanted to believe in them. I really did. But, you know, Golden State doing Golden State things. Can they get through Luka now? That is the current conversation. I mean, apparently they're already doing it. But, hey, the real story of takes this week is the hilarity that Matt somehow pulled it off. Leafs fans, poor, poor Leafs fans, another first round exit. Man, I feel like I shouldn't have cursed them with that. <laughs> They'll definitely win this series because I actually feel pretty bad for them. You know, it's it's five straight five straight first round losses, six straight playoff exits uh, in the qualifying or first round. Um, they keep getting to like the penultimate game too. You know, like game sevens game five in the the qualifying round and just for some reason can't pull it out the fact that they're like oh and ten with this group in closeout games is just sad and i don't know if like you can come back from this mentally like i understand that tampa bay was a cup winner and you know they said all the right things after the series being really nice to leave fans steven stamkos saying you know they have all the pieces that are right there if you have all the pieces, man, like, it's been too long. Way too I mean, long. It's painful. It's definitely painful because, I mean, I'm slightly cackling because to me it's just kind of hilarious. The only thing you can do at this point is laugh about it because, like, this is – moments like this is when you think there's that curses are real, that something's going on, that there's mojo in the brains. And, man, to be a Leafs goaltender at this point in time, to try to think how to possibly make it happen, and, again, tough tough situation tough for tampa to be the team that gets them out but hey that's the story of leafs right now that's just how it is man it's i honestly just feel really bad for them man it's just brutal like god in since 67 they've been to one conference finals since you know early 2000s they've made it out of the second or to the second round like once like it, it, as a Montreal fan, I've seen us go to the Cup Final. I've seen two conference finals besides that. You know, like, second round is not something that I'm allergic to, apparently. But I mean, apparently. It's it's kind of crazy how it all comes together. And, I mean, the first round for the NHL this year, five Game 7s, all these series going the whole way, back and forth, back and forth. But we're into the second round now, and me over here, chilling in Alberta, excited for what was going to be a good matchup, thinking Edmonton, Calgary, here we go. Now, what we witnessed last night, I don't know if anybody was expecting 15 goals in the opening game? Like, chaos, man. Absolute madness, man. I just think the Edmonton goalies are just nowhere near good enough. Um, I was surprised that they even got through LA, but 
not necessarily LA doesn't have an amazing roster, but this Calgary roster is I think going to blow them out. Um, you know, the fact that they had 48 shots to 28 shots um, is a little wild. McDavid had four points. You know, he's leading the playoffs with 18 points in eight Jeez. games. It's just ridiculous, and they're not even going to make it out of the second round, by by my opinion. And, like, it's just bad at this point, man. Like, Calgary really mucked them up. And I'm going to absolutely love the fact that Matthew Kachuk when getting into an argument with Evander Kane, was asking him if he needed some money. You know? <laughs> Just too good. <laughs> uh, yeah, Calgary's really embracing this team right now and these these kids and what's going to happen. I was on the radio this morning, and they're, they're playing Johnny B. Good over the radio for, for Johnny Hockey. Like, just the hilarity of it all. You know, the city's really embracing it, so... You know, I'm over Man, here, this... you know. Allison wants it for Edmonton. I just want good hockey, so, you know, hopefully the series will go all the way. The snipe from Johnny on uh, Jake Ottinger for, to win the Game 7 was just oh, unbelievable. That kid was unreal in that series for Dallas. Um, we get more into the series, but, man, we got a lot of basketball to cover, and that's definitely where I want to spend my time. I mean, I'm glad that you shot that you you know had a shout-out for the Stars goaltender because, like, I was watching that Game 7. I was like, is it going to happen? Are we going to break through? The guy had 60 saves in that game, but, yeah, man. Let's talk basketball. Let's go ahead. You want to start with some exciting news for teams that aren't us because we're not in it this year? The NBA lottery was revealed. Orlando, the Orlando Magic getting the chance to maybe get Chet, maybe get Jabari. Like, there's some interesting names, but, you know, it is what it is. The NBA lottery was revealed. Yeah, man. NBA lottery revealed. Um, Sacramento, one of the bigger winners, you know, jumping up into that fourth place. Hey, man, you can find a really good prospect at fourth overall. Don't the Raptors fans know it? <laughs> and um, again, last year, I think there was a little bit more hype around that draft class than there is this year. But we saw it two years ago with the, the mellow Anthony Edwards draft class. Sometimes the prognosticators are wrong, man. The analysts, they don't know what they're talking about. Uh, people are pretty down on, on Chet Holmgren because of his, you know, thickness, his ability to put on weight. Uh, but I think it's a it's probably a good decision for the Magic to take a guy who knows Jalen Suggs really well. They played high school basketball together. They're buddies. They both went to Gonzaga. He might not be the best player out of this draft in 10, 15 years. But I think for chemistry's sake, it's probably the, the move to make. At the end of the day, Orlando has the obvious choice in front of them, but you never know with drafts, right? That's why, you know, you got to be happy being OKC, being the Rockets. You, you tanked for this. You still get one of the three best options is what people are really looking at here. And, you know, you don't have to be that decision maker right at the top of the draft. It's one of those drafts that, you know, looking back in the future, maybe you aren't the happiest to get the first pick. Who knows? Time will tell. But, you know, I, I look at... I look at any of the teams that are from 5 to 10 as maybe you have somebody that people are overlooking, right? You, you never know who meet, might be the right answer, and that's kind of what the beauty of the draft is doing. I know the Kings are happy moving up to 4th, regardless of the fact that maybe they don't get one of these three potential stars, but you know, knowing the Kings, they probably would have screwed it up anyway, so 4 is a bit of a safer pick for them there, and you know, the Pistons are sad to fall out, but... There's going to be some good names. Maybe not great names out of this draft because it's hard to tell, but there's what we've seen in the past, there's always sleepers that come out of these drafts these days. 
Absolute man, and, and Shaden Sharp is is not a bad prospect if they want to go that route. Um, you know, maybe they go Keegan Murray or they draft a center like Jalen Duran to to pair with the you know Cade uh, Cunningham. It's it's kind of wide open for them. We'll see where it goes. I I just um, if I'm Oklahoma, I'm probably the the most happy that I've been because if Orlando takes Chet Holmgren, you probably get the best player or what most people consider widely the best player in this draft in Jabari Smith. Um, maybe you go with, you know, Banchero because you like his versatility along with Giddy and you're trying to move on from Shea Gilgis. But yeah, there's, you know, there's a ton of options in this draft and Hey man, at least it's something for the guys, you know, who are fans of non-playoff teams, man. I, I was, I was checking in just cause like, it's kind of fun to always see what happens and, there was some, you know, different executives here and there, but my favorite part was Demonis Sabonis. This guy's a king now. He's got to get used to this, apparently, so they just throw him into the draft. And, the, you know, when they move to the fourth, he's just like, oh, epic shock. Wait, what? We moved up? Crazy. So I, I had a couple of good laughs watching the lottery, but now we're all just waiting for the actual draft itself. But the other exciting thing that we kind of got gifted to us this week is, you know, they finally revealed these all-NBA rookie teams. Matt and I, we were in the right place. We knew exactly who we thought was going to end up where they did. But we got to say, man, Giddy, this guy, man, robbed right at the end of not making first team, in my opinion. I agree, man. The fact that he won four of the last five uh, Rookie of the Month awards in the Western Conference, but Jalen Green won the last one, so gets the first team spot, like... Not great, in my opinion. I thought Josh Giddy definitely put together a better season. I was so happy to see Franz Wagner there because that man deserved it. The other three guys were kind of just like no-brainers on that first team. Um, but your boy, man, uh, Dusanuma and Bones Highland, <laughs> they got um, it. So, no, you did not get it. Ayo Dusunmu, I'm pretty sure, is it. But that was gold <laughs> from you. But, yeah, no, I was excited for Bones Highland. Uh, you shouted out Chris Dorte as well. So, you know, we got some... We kind of knew who the top rookies of this class were going to be. I'm glad that there were a couple of surprises from later in to work their way onto these rookie teams, you know, give them the shoutouts that they deserve for the seasons that they had. But, man, the highlight of these rookie teams, it's got to be Scotty. It's got to be Mobley. Cade's sneaking up there as well. But, you know, our boy up there at the top, we love to see it. Absolutely, man. Rookie of the year and first team. I mean, we knew it was a lock at that point when oh, he won yeah. rookie of the year. The, the kid has been unbelievable. And the fact that he got it over Cade Cunningham and Evan Mobley, like we don't know, you know, in 10 years where these players are going to be, but it's it's great company to keep at this point. It, it's a nice feeling, you know, to get that award. You know that Scotty was planning for it. He was fighting for it. and He, he did want it, even if he wasn't always trying to show it. So it's exciting for these rookies. We're gonna see, we're gonna follow these kids' careers. We're gonna be interested to see where it goes. But man, I think it's playoff time. It's time to look back at the week that we just had. Some crazy ends to the second round over here. Starting in the West, you want to talk about the one that kind of just slid by that I was sad to see that Grizzly Golden State game. It just kind of it just kind of ended. You know, the series was just over. Yeah, I mean it was. It was pretty understandable that it was going to happen after the Grizzly just kind of blew them out in Game 5. Everyone was kind of shocked by that. I'm sure Golden State, you know, they knew that that was probably the worst game that they could possibly have. And the fact that, you know, they're going home for Game 6. They they know what the Grizzlies are looking to do with, you know, two straight games of, you know, jawless 
play. Dylan Brooks had a massive game for them, and it still just wasn't enough. Golden State's too deep and closed it out pretty easily, you know? I'm, Sad I'm just, for Grizzlies fans. I'm just going to say it. Game 6 clay. Why do you guys bet against the Warriors in Game 6 clay? The guy went off, you know? If you're the Mavericks, you're hoping that maybe you can turn the series around the next four games so you don't have to deal with Game 6 clay. But, you know, the Grizz just didn't have enough. But they're young. They're feisty. They're they're ready to come back and be more. And Jaw has to evolve. He has to find more. He has to take that next step because, yeah, he's an all-star. Yeah, he's a legend. But not every all-star wins a championship and that team has the right pieces to make potentially the right moves to find their way into contention the west is a very very rocky place right now so time will tell with these grizzlies and i'm excited to see what they can do come this time next year yeah absolutely excited and you know you talk about the west being a rocky place and we can see that even at the top man i mean the 64 win suns get bounced out by the mavericks um and really, just on the back of Luka Doncic, man, uh, everyone thought this was the consensus best team in the NBA. They basically have been wire to wire. But when it comes down to that top elite talent, they just really couldn't match what, what Luka brought to the table. And I'm going to pull up jokes, but, you know, all jokes aside, yes, Luka was insane. But, man, Scott Foster, MVP of Game 7. If you didn't put money down on this fact, what, what were you doing? Apparently, I'm, I should have done it as well. I don't know how the storylines are written this way, but when it was 80 to 40 at one point in time, and you're realizing that the Suns are going to go out, they're going to bow out this way against this team... And you know Luca is still talking trash to these guys no matter what. Like, I'm just, I'm happy for Luca. Obviously, you know, I'm pumped. They're the team that I'm rooting for the most of the four at left. This point, you know? yeah. At this point, right? Especially with Kyle Lowry not playing for Miami right now. So I got I gotta root for somebody. And man, it's gotta be Luca because what a what an impressive showing from him and from that team. Yeah, man, uh, it's uh, absolutely unbelievable that the fact that you know they were able to pull it off like just Luka Doncic came out swinging 27 points in that first half um, matching the Phoenix Suns like I mentioned earlier the fact that you know Booker looked absolutely shell-shocked in game seven and really in game six mm. um, you know they were joking around after game five the Luka special you know and joking at the podium but Luca got the last laugh. You know, everybody can talk when they're up, but it's it's what you do when you're down. And Luca with, you know, just massive, massive games. He easily could have dropped 50 points in that game seven if he needed to. Like, uh, absolutely. And just like to add to your Booker shell shock, the guy was 0 for 11 from three in the last two games of that series. And when Luca comes out and scores the first eight points of that game, like you know he's locked in. And you know I made jokes about Dinwiddie earlier about the crypto crash, but. He stepped up later in this series, you know, the role players for the Mavericks realized what they needed to do. We have to shout out Jason Kidd. What an absolute amazing coaching job, out coaching the coach of the year in this series to help his team get a win. Because we saw, I mean, I've, I've seen a bunch of different breakdowns of the series and, and different little things here and there, but 
they pushed the they pushed the Suns out of the offense that they were enjoying doing, and they allowed Luca to hunt mismatches, and they worked Booker, they worked Chris, and they tired them out. And you could really see by the end of this series that you know the Suns just kind of were a deer in the headlights almost. They just weren't sure how to adapt, and they couldn't bring back the offense that was murdering the Mavs early in this series. So. You know, I, I feel bad for Monty and the boys, but you have to shout out Jason Kidd and what this team achieved. They just ran out of gas, man, and that's what happens when the guy that you're asking to be your best player on a nightly basis is 37. They they just really lost it, you know, didn't have enough in the tank, and it just happens. I mean, look at Yanni in the Bucks, man. Yep. In Game 7, he left it all out on the floor in Game 6, and in Game 7 just couldn't do it. He came out like a Tasmanian devil, too, with like... You know, trying to get everybody involved. He was like 12, 8, and 6, I think, after the first quarter. And then, you know, Boston just really took it to them. And I got to shout out Grant Williams in that game seven, man. You know, starting two of seven, most guys would have just kind of packed it oh, in, yeah. maybe folded. But he just kept shooting his shot, man. And that was the difference. Um, you know, the Bucks really kind of got scared. Um, their three points weren't going down. And then, so they just gave up taking them they didn't take the open shots that they were given and then what happened is Boston was now allowed to collapse into the paint which makes Giannis's job so much harder and he couldn't do it by himself and he was out of gas so credit to Boston man um and shout out Jason Tatum for that game six performance man because matching Giannis in a in a game six like that that is some some heady stuff you know I have to obviously give Jason Tatum his credit that game six was probably his best playoff performance ever and the guy led that team back. But can you believe that Grant Williams is now tied for the most number of three points scored in a game seven in the playoffs with Steph Curry? Like, you know, we saw it, we saw it, what, a couple of years ago with, with Trey Mann hitting threes for the Clippers, you know, when, 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 when they were doing what they were doing. Like, it's crazy that if you are the right role player and the right time in the right situation... And if you have the capabilities to knock down those shots, the NBA still hasn't entirely figured out how to stop it from happening. And it was pretty nutty of what Williams did. Man, it, it was unbelievable. And it also shows you that having the right mindset and not being afraid to take the shots yep. is what you need. I mean, he, he went 7 of 18, which is only 39%. So it's still under 40% shooting. It's not like, you know, he hit 55 or 60% of the threes that he took. It was just that he never backed down and never thought to himself, oh, I shouldn't be taking the shot. No, he, I have the open shot. I know I've missed but we're going to just keep shooting them because, you know, percentages are what they are and you're going to regress to the mean eventually. So can we keep the conversation about this series but flip it now from, you know, talking about these great players to talking about the importance of Game 7 at home? Because there was a lot of lead-up in the playoffs to the race of what was going to happen. Are the Bucks going to get home for court? Are the Celtics going to get home court? And I remember at the end of the season, the Celtics fought for that last win and the Bucks chilled their way to not getting it. Now, that was obviously a media conversation. and Blah, 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 it doesn't matter. One team won, one team lost. But does Game 7 at home really matter that much? Especially when the other side of the coin is the Mavericks destroying the Suns? So, like, well, you know what I mean? That's the point that I was going to bring up, man. I don't think it makes that big of a difference. And the fact that, you know, the Bucks knew that they didn't want to get to a Game 7 in Boston, and that's why they stole Game 1, right? Like, 
really, if you think about it, they should have won game six, especially yeah. with that performance from Yanni. Uh, Jason Tatum was just not willing to let it happen. The guy is probably one of the best contested three-point shooters in the NBA right now, especially for his size and what he can do on the court, mm-hmm. like as an all-around basketball player. It's that scary, and the fact that he's only 24 is just nuts. Um, you know, him and Luca right now are considered, you know, the two best young players in the NBA, um, and it's, it's not even that close, really, if you think about it. I can completely agree with you there, and the thing that really makes me sad in this series is, you know, when you miss a player like Chris Middleton. We talk about how important Game 6 clay is to the Golden State Warriors. I mean, Matt knows, I don't love Chris Middleton as a player, but I'll always, you know, talk about that game that he's going to steal, because he is that type of playoff player. He has those type of performances, and if Giannis is putting up that many points in a Game 6, and I'm I'm pretty sure, what, um, Holiday had 17... Um, I think that was the closest. Pat maybe had like 14, but they didn't have that true second score for him. Man, I, I could see Chris putting up 24 in that game and having that be just enough for them to win in game six. But again, it's the playoffs, right? This is this is why you have to be in the right situation with the right players, with the right capabilities, because anything can happen at the end of the day. And these little things are what gets you from a second round exit to potentially winning a championship. Absolutely, and and you bring up that Chris Middleton injury because that's really what helped Boston get through. You look at West Matthews and and Grayson Allen having to be you know starters and, yeah. and playing you know big minutes for the squad. They don't have to do that with Chris Middleton. You don't have to live with Grayson Allen three points on 0 of four from deep and one of seven shooting, or you know West Matthews two of six for four points. Like you get a legitimate all-star in Chris Middleton out on the floor that does change the the dynamic of the game. It tilts the court in in the Bucks' favor. Maybe they don't even get to Game Six at this point, or you know, like they easily win Game Six. So um, yeah, it's it's definitely a factor. But hey, man. They had good fortune on their run last year to, to make the, the NBA Finals. You know, they played some, some hurt teams, and injuries are always going to be a part of it. So, like they say, the best ability is availability, and Chris Middleton just didn't have it, unfortunately. They'll be back, though. Next oh, year, they'll be back. Absolutely, and, you know, I, I I was ripping on Pat a little bit, but he was he was massive in certain moments in Game 6, trying to have those big moments. And, obviously, Matt knows I love me some Bobby Portis, and, like, he was stretched thin across this series, but it was a fantastic showing. I'm so glad it went seven games. I'm so glad we got to see so much back-and-forth ball, but we're sad over here as Yanni fans. We wanted to see this guy continue his reign, but what we've seen in the past from Giannis is failures like this, getting this close but stopping short, really just builds up underneath him and drives him forward. So I'm excited to see where the Bucks go. Hey, guys, Budenholzer's still your coach. Just think about that a little bit. Last point that I was going to make on this <laughs> series is that we got to put Bud back on, you know, the hot seat. This man, I don't know what he was doing. Um, he refused to sit Brooke Lopez, even though Brooke Lopez was one of the biggest negatives on the floor. Um, he should have gone small ball with Bobby Portis. Yeah, I just, they didn't even have Time Lord, so like you could, you know, get away with that. It's, it was bad, man. Uh, Budenholzer, you're definitely gonna have to take the L on this one because I I'm solely putting that on you. And on the other side of the coin, you know, shout out to Ime, one step closer to adding his name to the list of rookie coaches taking a team who was almost there 
all the way to the championship. So, as much as I, you know, hate Boston, gotta give him his credit. Man, this was the final series for me. Like, the winner of that one, which ended up being the Celtics, is probably going to go on the way. Um, but, you know, they got to get through Miami. And Miami did, you know, take care of Philadelphia pretty easily. Um, I want to say it's absolutely poetic that uh, James Harden only took two shots in the second half of that game after Ben Simmons was literally criticized to the point that he couldn't play basketball this year. Uh, for not taking shots, you get James Harden, one of the most prolific scorers in NBA history, and I'm saying that with quotation marks because uh, I don't <laughs> believe he is such a guy. Um, yeah, he took two shots. What a what a bum. <laughs> and for Embiid to once again be ripping his teammates, you know, in the post game to be saying that this isn't happening, that isn't happening. There's there's just no camaraderie there. And, you know, my favorite part of the whole thing was was Jimmy at the end of that series, walking away, Tobias Harris over me? What? Like, this guy living his best life. And it is crazy to think, you know, I made the comment about how you can be this close to, to going out in the second round or winning a championship. We live that as Raptors fans. The shot that Philly lost to is the, the opposite side of that coin is Jimmy and and B going all the way winning a championship and maybe Jimmy stays there maybe they keep together and is more that's kind of the chaos of it but at the end of the day they lost for Embiid to fall over and end Danny Green's career basically the way he did now I mean Danny coming out on his podcast saying he'll be back next season I hope I can't wait for it you deserve that 10 million my dude but ugh ugh that's that's it I'm done dude He's the biggest flopper in the league, and to hurt your own player on a big flop like that, he's just, he's got to cut it out, man. He's tempting the basketball gods with this, and that's, I think, why he can't get out of the second round at this point, man, because he's a monster. And, you know, having Tyrese Maxey and and James Harden and Tobias Harris, who had a phenomenal playoffs, like, they just couldn't do it, and I understand that Doc Rivers gets panned, but like he's coming back next year, and he is a good coach. Um, ah, just brutal for that man, but not too bad for us, because like you know, Philadelphia fans showing their true colors <laughs> even with eight minutes left in the game. Like I, that was brutal. Poor, poor fans. Toxic place to play. Just whatever, man. We we can be done with this series. <laughs> yeah, we, we don't need to talk about them anymore. Do you want to stick in the East, or do you want to go out to the West? I'd love to stick in the East, man, because that first round game, first first game of the third round was awesome. I, I thought Boston was going to easily walk away with it in the first half. They got up, you know, 7 nothing early in the game. And every time Miami kind of tried to bring it close, I know they were tied at 23 for a little bit, Miami kind of took a little bit of a lead. It just felt like Boston had an extra gear that they could always get into. Um, Horford, or not Horford, Time Lord and um, Tatum were so good in the first half. And then that third quarter happened, and I have no idea, man. I mean, the third quarter was what Boston used to put the Bucks away, right? We've almost, we've seen it throughout the history of of playoff basketball, at least when I've been watching, is there's big times when a third quarter can win you a game, can win you a series, can win you the playoffs. If you come out locked in after that conversation at halftime, you know, it, it can be exactly what you need. And, man, for 
for you to message me at the start of this game thinking that, oh, it's done, Celtics are over, and I hadn't tuned in yet at this point because I was a little late to the party, and I walk in and it's 21-21, I just sent a picture to Matt because I'm like, what, what, am I, what have I missed? What happened? Like, And now, looking back, obviously, how Boston came out to start the game and Miami kind of crawled their way back, that was almost the story of the game. Miami was crawling and crawling and crawling, and then they found their edge and they held on from there. Hey, man. Uh, you tuned in when after Tyler Hero decided to go, you know, <laughs> six man of the year mode. He actually put in some work in that first quarter and first half. Um, but Tatum just looked like he was like on another planet. Um, Jimmy Butler wasn't getting it done until that third quarter, man. I, I still can't believe Tatum had six turnovers in that quarter. Like seven turnovers in a game is whatever and like not a great game but six in a quarter and that's why it still kind of gives me hope for this like i'm gonna pick boston and i think they're gonna easily roll miami at this point because they won all three of the other quarters if you know they're just even even if they lost that by by 15 they still would have been in that game but they lost it by 20 something like 25 i think it was like just brutal man with the series that Horford just came off of and the way smart is the defensive centerpiece of this team you're missing two important cogs so yeah the Celtics are probably still in control of this series let's also not forget that we were playing in Miami they're supposed to win that game and without that third quarter they're upset in game one so, of course, that's the conversation to eat. But again, maybe Miami doesn't have Kyle, right? This is the the beauty of chess that, 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 you know, basketball really becomes in the playoffs when you're trying to figure out this player versus that player. Bam didn't have a great game, but I think he's essential to this series. And if he plays the right way, if Spolster finds the right decisions, he can cut apart this Boston team, in my opinion. Nobody can stop Bam if Bam is absolutely on. But can they? Because look at what Williams just did against Giannis. Look at what, you know, the entire team has done. Like, that's kind of the beauty of it. As much as I think this series may be done before it's even started, with the coaches that we have behind each of these rosters and enough talent, I still see a series coming out back and forth between the two of them. Yeah, I guess. I mean, Bam didn't have a great game, but like you mentioned, they were missing two of their more important pieces, which they're getting back tonight. Um so that'll that'll give us a, a better indication of how this series is going to go. I just you're expecting Jimmy Butler to drop 41 points efficiently from two point range, like without scoring from deep. I get this man is doing things that we haven't seen since Michael Jordan, but every game. The the thing that gets me happy, you know, the the belief that maybe it could happen. It's like, I haven't been watching Heat games all season. You know, I've been tuning into a couple. I don't think you've been watching Heat games this season very much. So what gives me a little bit of hope for this team is that the true Heat fans are like, yeah, this is what Jimmy does. And I mean, we kind of we know this about Jimmy. He hunts. He really does hunt for mismatches. He does what he can do. But will it be enough? Can Tyler keep hitting those shots? Can, you know, this, the Struess and, and the other guy whose name I still don't remember from Miami, can these guys who were undrafted be enough come late right is Robinson gonna get to take shots later than like that's that's the weird thing about Miami there's so much unknown that you don't know whether they're gonna blow up for 130 points in a game or whether they're gonna have 96 and be like well it just wasn't enough and this Boston team is the best defense in the league 
and they're definitely the best defense of the four teams left going on. So that's why you're scared as a Miami fan, because yeah, Boston could easily, easily roll over Miami, but I can't count out, count out Spolstra. I can't count out my boy Kyle if he comes back, and you know Pat Riley's back there talking about how maybe I'm going to come out there and have to do a little coaching myself. So we're going to see where this series goes. Yeah, it's it's going to be a wild one. I Again, I just don't see Miami having enough depth um, to be able to do it. And the fact that like they're starting Gabe Vincent and Max Strews, like over Tyler Hero and even Victor Oladipo in the backcourt, like says something about their roster and where, you know, Oladipo is. I think, you know, Hero could start for this team. They just want to utilize him in a different way as, as that, you know, extra scoring punch off the bench, which I totally agree with. It's just, are they going to have enough to get him in the position where he can put this team over the top with the starting unit. I, it's going to be tough, man. And, and with Smart coming back, you know, Gabe Vincent and Max Reese did not start that game well. And, no. and now they're going to have to play Smart instead of Peyton Pritchard for most of the game. Like, that's going to be a tough one. And again, I just, I see Boston probably easily walking away with this one. And at the end of the day, after watching last night's game between GS and the Mavs, I think Boston's going to easily roll whoever comes out of the West because... It was some pretty sloppy basketball for a Western Conference final last night, my friend. <laughs> very, very sloppy. I'm sad I didn't get to see it, but I heard. I checked the box score. I know what was up. And, man, Luca, I want this for you. And my hope is that this team can evolve over the course of this series to beat this Golden State squad. But it's tough. It's a toughie. This is going to be a very interesting back and forth if it even gets there. Man, all I heard yesterday before the game was, uh, who's Golden State going to throw at Luka to be able to guard him besides Draymond Green? And I was thinking to myself, like, I don't know, maybe, like, Otto Porter Jr. is a decent option. Jonathan Kaminga is a decent option. Oh, and, and maybe the guy who is on the all-star starting roster in Andrew Wiggins, the former number one overall pick, who has literally proven that he can be a defensive specialist in this league. I mean, cut your nails, Andrew, scarring Luca's face like that. But, like, come on. The guy was unreal. He was the story of that first half. He was 3 of 4 from deep, 15 points, and putting Luca in a, a chokehold for most of it. Like, yes, Luca was getting Luca points and, and Luca assists and stuff, but, man, he was doing well in Dallas hit a shot, man. Open that's, shots. They were brutal last night. That's how Golden State plays. That's their their play style. But my favorite part about this whole this whole Andrew thing is that like we had friends over last night, so we were doing a little drinking. And Matt knows when I drink, I'm useless. My brain just like. Pff. And Matt's texting me, and he's like, "Man, Andrew's locking it down." And I'm going to myself. Who is he even talking about? Like, because I'm just like Wiggins, Wiggins, Wiggins. That's where my brain goes, and I'm like, Andrew, <laughs> we're talking about basketball right here, but. Andrew Wiggins himself going off, being apparently the defensive stopper to Luca. But you know, I, I I remember this. The conversation was if Luca can get through them, Boston's gonna have all these options to be able to guard him. Well, apparently Golden State has some options and, and they're ready to play. Oh, buddy, are they ready to play? And I didn't even think like Steph Curry had a particularly good half. Uh, there were points where he missed, I think, like four or five open threes to start the game. Um, he was, you could see he was talking to himself. Draymond was talking to him, you know, get it out of your head, just knock one down. And in the second half, 
that he started to and he kept himself you know viable by you know rim running and, and hitting his floater game or getting a quick steal and, and getting the two points for a layup but at the end of the day like this was a game that i think dallas probably should have had a better chance in like to get blown out the way that they did when clay doesn't score a point in the first half yeah. when curry can't score like but what I think the epitome of the game for me and what like I'm gonna bring it back to and like should have been the omen that I realized when the first play Luca drives in, has four Golden State Warriors collapse on him, and he puts the ball over and behind his head, puts it out to the corner. I think it was Jalen Brunson for a corner three and he clangs it and you're like, Oh, it's gonna be a long night for Dallas if <laughs> this is what's going on because you know, their whole offense is predicated on Luca doing absolutely special things but the other guys having to hit the shots and it's going to be about the other guys in this series and Steve Kerr is ready with that versatility you know we saw boxing one you know they played zone they played one-on-one Wiggins was fantastic right like they were they were trying all these different things to to stop Luka because that's what you have to do for the Mavs right now and it's going to be really interesting to see what Luka can do the rest of this series I have hope I have hope for this man. I also really want to see Luka versus the Celtics or Luka versus Miami. I think that that would be a really fun series. And, like, Golden State, I don't want to say that that Boston might roll over them, but they're just younger. They're younger and quicker, and I think match up really well against them. So that would not be good at the end of the day. Watching the game last night, because I don't watch a ton of Golden State Warriors games because, you know, it's West Coast. They're late. It's hard for me to this guy's stay up and watch them. Um they just don't look like the same team that they used to be. Um, you can tell that, you know, I said this to Marissa, that they're name brand only now. Is that, you know, they have the, the superstar names and, and, you know, Clay Thompson and Steph Curry and Draymond Green. But yeah. those guys are all, I wouldn't say shells of them former, former selves, but they're all lesser versions than they used to be. Even Steph, who's playing still at an all-NBA level, is still not that Steph Curry who was the unanimous MVP. And Klay Thompson's nowhere near the guy that he used to be. And Draymond's old and can't shoot the three ball to save his life anymore. Um, so I I expected better from, from the Mavs. And I really thought that they should have been in that game a little bit more, which is kind of scary and, and why I think the Western Conference doesn't have it this year. It's going to go out to the Eastern Conference teams. I've been saying it all season that the East is a deeper, deeper conference. So I mean, we were out here knowing that there were four solid contenders out of the East and two of those guys are still around and all all year long the West was like who's the contender? Is it going to be Phoenix? Is it going to be Golden State? Are the Memphis going to be able to do it? Can Luka tear them? The Lakers and and the like, right? Like that was we were never really sure and I mean we're still kind of in the same boat, right? So that's why everyone's betting on the East. That's why everyone's on that team, but nothing else more for me really when it comes to these series. I think we've hit a good place for them. Yeah, man. They've been some good series. Um, I'm excited to see what comes up. I I honestly think that the Mavs are going to you know steal some games here. I, I think it probably goes six or seven. Uh, just because as the series wears on, Luka learns more and more about your defensive structure and how to exploit it. And I think Miami, obviously, they got the one game. I think they probably get to six. Um, just because, you know, Jimmy Butler is going to do Jimmy Butler things. I just think Boston's too deep. Um, so I guess my final is going to be GS Boston, and uh, I think Boston's easily going to take that one. I mean, my hope is that this time next week 
we'll be talking about the fact that neither of these series is over, because I'm pretty sure at least four of the games will have been played in, in both of them. So I'm hoping for no sweeps over here, but time will tell. Um, the only other funny thing I have to mention is, you know, we were talking about how uh, the Mavs need to hope well. You know what Dinwiddie made $500,000 for making it to this far in the round? I was making jokes about his crypto crashing, and I just found my notes from earlier, and, you know, that's an incentive to keep making money, so hopefully he'll show up. Hopefully the Mavs will do well, but, dude, can you believe that it was minus 180 to plus 164 in that Game 7? Are we Can we keep ripping on the Suns a little more before we talk? No, I'm just kidding. Let's, let's move to refs, yeah. Yeah, let's do a quick rap chat, man. I mean, because now that the Suns did get eliminated, the talk is around Aiton and his contract and whether or not they're going to sign him, keep him, maybe they move CP3 because, you know, uh, Robert Sarver doesn't want to pay both of them. He's already paying Booker, doesn't really want to pay both, you know, Aiton and CP3. And us Raptors fans over here, we're throwing out trades for Aiton that just kind of, you know, makes sense. You want to you want a superstar, you want an all-star, you want a top 15 NBA player. You can have Pascal Siakam, but we'll we'll take DeAndre Ayton. I'll take yeah, that. I just love that when we were talking about this the second that the the series ended, I floated a joke where I, to Matt, or I was like, "Hey, we could get Ayton, you know?" Cuz Matt's always trying to trade Siakam and I'm like, "I don't I don't really want to, but like there's got to be a good trade out there for him." Bro, and I floated it to you. <laughs> I swear I floated it to you. Yeah, either way. Either way, Kate. This guy floated the secondary version of it. My brain was already, uh, you know, apparently putting it together. But Siakam for Aiden as your true centerpieces of the trade. You think about Bridges. You think about OG. You fall around some picks around. And you're looking at a potential future win-win trade here for both organizations. Yeah, man. I, we talked about it before, you know. We probably lose the trade, the Raptors, initially, right? Giving up. Um, Siakam, who's definitely the best player out of the four of them. OG, I would say, is just as good as Mikhail Bridges, if not better. And he's younger, which hurts. And then we probably have to include a draft pick to get it done. But we're banking on the fact that Aiton keeps developing. He's our center for the next 10 years. Mm -hmm. Scotty, Gary Trent, Precious... Like, we've got enough, and then Mikhail Bridges is our, you know, wing stopper. I think that's that's a, like you said, win-win trade for everyone, and I think, you know, in five, six years down the road, maybe Phoenix makes it to another finals and or wins one with Siakam and Booker and CP3, and they're happy, and we win four with Aiton, Scotty, and, and the boys, you know? One for one for each of them to get their own finals MVPs each, right? But, no, you know, the both of these teams are in a situation where they – probably need to do something, right? The Suns are, are definitely more desperate than we are because they're doing the CP3 is 36, 37. We've got to figure it out. Our window is closing. Like, it is it is a scary time. Plus, also, do we pay Aiden? Obviously, the conversation all year has been that they apparently don't want to pay Aiden. But he is an RFA, so they have that control when it comes to the trade. And the Raptors are sitting here going, okay, the 6-9 experiment was great, but maybe we have one too many. And if you're going to clear out one too many, you probably think about clearing out to add space when it comes to your money. Because you, you want to have more room for cash at the end of the day. You want to be able to have more versatility. And a Siakam for Aiden trade is potentially the answer. And everyone is apparently talking about it right now. It's become the current conversation because, you know, we've got to not talk about the Suns being failures anymore. we got to figure out how to make them better. But. I mean, I would do it, man, if the right trade comes around, but I think Messiah and Bobby are going to 
hold tight just for a little bit longer. Man, I, I think it's a good trade. And like I said, you know, the fact that we're throwing OG and Mikhail Bridges in it, um, OG's a little bit bigger, he's a little bit heavier. Um, in terms of career, you know, three-point shooting percentage, they're almost identical. Um, so I would take it, like, in terms of, you know, points per game, OG was better this season than Mikhail is. I think he's got more offensively, more rebounding, more assists, um, which I don't love giving up OG in this trade. But if it gets us Aiton and it gets us, you know, that true running mate for Scotty for the next 10 years, because we talk about it all the time, man, you know, MJ had Pippen, LeBron had no one, and you need that someone to get there and win it. Because as much as I, I believe, you know, Luca can probably get there by himself, he ain't winning this whole thing by himself, man. He, he's he, just not. And if he does, man, what a what a legacy he's already built for himself. But, I mean, you've, you've, you've pretty much nailed it there on the money, and you think about the other teams in the league, what they can offer for Aiden and where it's going to go, and that's why I say Masai and Bobby are going to chill for a little bit because I'm sure the Raptors are one of the only organizations that are good at not leaking what they're actually doing. All these other teams are really good at apparently having somebody in their organization say, hey, we're going to we're gonna potentially do this. Do you think it'll help us? So, you know, we can't really know for sure what our team is going to do, but we're going to hear more about these trades in the grapevine. And, you know, there's not much more else when it comes to Raps Chat. We're just biding our time at this point in time. Matt is trying to, you know, smack down the nephews talking about Jalen Harris. Guys, he's not going to be as good as you think he's going to be. I know he fits the mold of what we want, but stop it, please. Stop it. He does fit the mold, and, like, I was thinking about it, like, for our playoff series against Philadelphia, it would have been really nice to have a guy like Terrence Davis or Jalen Harris who you could throw it on the floor, who's a little bit more athletic, a little bit yeah. longer, a little bit bigger than Malachi. Not that Malachi didn't have a good defense. He just could not create anything on offense, whereas I think those guys could. Um, I love seeing Scotty putting in the work in the offseason. Um, I love the workout videos, but, man, I, I want to see the shooting videos. I don't. <laughs> this guy does not need to get bigger and stronger. I think he was big and strong enough last year. Um, the fact that you know he just needs to work on that three-point shot, man, whether it's – you know, pull-ups, you know, dribble moves into a shot, fadeaways, um, you know, catch and shoots. He's, man, got to shoot like at least a thousand times a day from, from the three-point range and got to do at least another 200 fadeaways. That's that's my regimen if I'm his coach. Man, Scotty's on, on the grind. He's he's going to make it happen. You know, the Raps are almost looking for their next Norman Powell type player to really settle in be that bench player who can be aggressive who can have that thing and hit shots when it matters so we're looking forward to this team and and where things can go but that's all i got my friend anything else from the raptors for you this week i mean we could talk about some other trade options and stuff but man we'll save that for the off season when we're really dying for some content um i think we're good to to move on to some some mystic takes and some hot predictions I mean, Raptors fans are dying for content because they're so excited that, you know, Philly got eliminated on the three-year anniversary of the shot. That's how that's how little content we have. We have to be still thinking about our, our, our enemy team's failures. But, yeah, let's move into takes, man. Let's be bold. I want to be bold. I'm 100% wrong. Maybe I'm cursing it. I don't know. I'm trying to go in all the different ways of the mojo here. Matt's the true curse master. But I want to believe in Miami. I'm going to give it seven games. Kyle's going to come back. He's going to hit a game winner in the seventh to become a legend for my... No, Jimmy's going to do it probably, but Miami in seven. That's what I got for you. Man, I would be shocked to see it, but the way that Jimmy's playing, and if they can get a, any kind of ump from Kyle Lowry, who's 
could be healthy, like that would be enough maybe to get them through. But oh man, I just think Boston's too strong. And at the end of the day, another team that's going to be way too strong is Calgary over Edmonton. I'm going to hockey, man. It's going to be a clean sweep. Last night just kind of cemented it for me. The fact that you know Mike Smith and Miko Koskinen couldn't stop a beach ball. Um, it's just that's how the series is going to go, man. Even if Edmonton scores six a game and, you know, McDavid's getting four points a game, uh, I don't, just don't see his goalies having enough in the tank. Man, I'm trying to imagine the memes and the way the city would be if we were to sweep out Edmonton. Oh, gosh. The, the politicians would be getting in on these jokes. It would be chaos out here in Alberta. Oh, yeah, man. Don't they uh, have a, a bet already where, like, the other team, ha- like, the losers of the city has to wear the other team's color and the mayor has to do full face paint and stuff? I would not be surprised. It is it is the wild, wild west out here in Alberta. But anything else, my friend, or shall we wrap it up? Nah, man, you're good to take us out. Beautiful. Well, thanks, everybody, for being here. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook at The Board Sports. Like, subscribe. Give us that thumbs up and check out TheBoardSports.net for new episodes and blog posts. And we'll talk to you next time.